Maintaining employee morale is challenging when agencies are navigating leadership changes. Over the last few months, it seems that we've seen some big changes in our nonprofit community. Some longtime leaders have retired or taken on new roles. As new leaders step in, changes in style and direction can leave some staff members feeling adrift and sometimes disgruntled. On this episode of State of the Nonprofits, I'm visiting with Dr. Elise Kale, a retired educator with vast experience in leading groups through change. Dr. Kale is now a consultant and owner of Kale Consulting, LLC. Welcome, Elise. Thank you, Autumn. Delighted to spend this time with you. I'm excited to visit with you. Thank you so much for coming in the studio. So before we get rolling on today's topic, we like to give a brief description of ourselves for our visually impaired and recording library listeners so that they can create a mental image as they listen. So I'll go first. I'm Autumn. I'm five foot two with pixie brown hair, brown eyes and tortoise shell glasses. I am wearing a big white sweater and some warm black leather leggings and ready to stay inside by the heater. Well, I'm Elise. I'm five foot eight with short brown gray hair. Um, I have hazel eyes and black pink rimmed glasses. I'm wearing black slacks, black shoes, and a purple long sleeve sweater. So full disclosure, y'all, Dr. Kale is a member of the MSS Board of Directors, and I promise today's episode will not be another MSS rah-rah session, but it has to be said, each member of our board brings a wealth of knowledge and unique experiences to MSS, and our staff is incredibly lucky to call on them for leadership and guidance. I've asked Elise to speak on the topic of employee morale and navigating leadership change because of her experience as a teacher, a coach, principal, and an administrator. So to just kind of get started on this conversation, can you speak a little bit about your experience in team and morale building? Well, I've had 35 years of experience in education. And um, before that, I had, of course, high school sports and then college sports. So I think I've had a lot of good and bad experiences and tried to build upon all of those. Morale building can be very complex, uh, but I like to break things down and make them simple. So um, I think morale can be built on two things. Number one is trust. And number two is employee development. These eventually wind up going hand in hand because you can't have one successfully without the other. For example, I have to trust an employee to do their part. So as a principal, I had to trust that my teachers would be teaching the curriculum on a daily basis. I couldn't go into 50 classrooms for eight periods a day and be able to monitor what they're doing. So I had to build trust with my, between myself and the teachers that this would happen. And employment development comes when, as a leader, I show the organization's employees that there are ways to continue improving, and they have to trust my guidance and what I'm asking them to do as suggestions to improve themselves. So you are constantly seeing in education space lots of change. Students change, teachers change, and working to keep that team driven and on the same goal can be really challenging, especially when there are new leaders. New leaders mean new leadership styles. What helps bring staff members along beside those new leaders and not leaving them feeling left behind? Well, in my experience and in all the leaders that I've worked under and based on how I was shown by my parents, my grandparents and other mentors in my life, you have to get to know people. I don't know if you remember this autumn, but one of the first times we met, I began probing you about your life. <laughs> and uh, this was an attempt on my part to try to make a connection with you. Because uh, if you're this probing, if you will, is a way to find a connection that allows me to enter your world of trust because we might have something to verify each other's belief system. Everything is relational. That's a hard thing for a leader to do at the very beginning. So they've got to step out and put themselves out there to make sure that people get to know them. 
Now, when I'm probing someone and trying to find out what that connection is, that could go in an opposite direction (laughs) and completely ruin any opportunity for trust. But it's better to know that earlier than later. True. So I think that's what's so important, especially in the nonprofit work that we do. Like you said, everything is so relational. I think that's just amplified in the sector for nonprofit. The work is important. The mission is primary, but sometimes we have to step away from that just a little bit because the people that do that work are what make it possible. And if we don't take time to take care of them and engage with them, then how can we expect them to really be a part of the mission? Absolutely. Because um, if if you've got a leader that wants to lead by showing power or division, I don't believe in that way. And I don't think it's good for an organization. And I believe we've got to engage with others and create those connections to make the organization as a whole stronger. There's so many different leadership styles. There's times when a new executive director or new CEO or what have you will step in and they're so excited about how they're going to make the work better. And they come in and they make wholesale changes and they start moving the ship in whatever direction they feel is best and people fall off that ship along the way. And then there's the other side where the leader maybe steps back for a moment, sees how things operate, takes some time to watch the people and how they engage. And I I think there can be a balance of both, right? It doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah, it's a challenge sometimes, but um, you've just got to continue to build on that trust and lean into your people and what their strengths are. So when you're, you're building the trust and you're getting people to come alongside you, what are some ways that we can address that? But that's how we've always done it, Syndrome. Yeah, that's the way we've always done it. Twatty. That's what <laughs> I like to call it. Um, it's one of the hardest challenges. And even with all the entrepreneurial spirit in West Texas, um, we still have that fear because it boils down to fear of change. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't like change. Um, we get to be, um, for lack of a better word, old farts. And <laughs> <laughs> we've got to make sure that, that we step out of that. Um, I had this conversation with one of my former bosses and said, you know, we go into meetings and we talk and we talk and we talk and we follow the agenda. We checklist everything off the agenda, but we don't do anything that steps out there. We don't do anything that's creative. We don't do anything that will impact long-term change. And when I was named as chief transformation officer, I got to take that statement and make it into a reality. So I got to partner with different organizations. I got to research more into what schools and other districts were doing, what were their best practices. And I got to guide the implementation of some of those items within the district. That helped build me as not only a team member of the organization, but also as a leader. And I think that was effective. And I definitely found that the twatty, the way we've always done it, against some of that work that I was doing was a challenge. But we kept plugging along because some people did not want that change. But again, it all boils, boils down to trust and development. Enlighten and educate people. I think you said something there that triggers with me, enlighten. I think transparency is a big part of building that trust and getting people to take that chance on change. Yes. And that's tricky because people don't want to be seen. They don't want to step out there because they're afraid they'll make a mistake. And it may be based upon something that they grew up with or something that they experienced in their professional life where they stepped out there, made a chancy, risky decision and got their toes chopped off. And so they don't want to do it again. Yeah. Change is hard, but it's necessary. And, you know, getting your team to understand the need for change and be willing to move forward with you, you know, it all comes back down again to being 
building that trust and building that team environment. Yes, absolutely. So if one team member is upset, it can quickly lead to more. And how can we avoid the spread and maintain a healthy working environment? Inner office politics, it's it's always a challenge. It's the worst yeah, because it's toxic. <laughs> and I've found the best way to handle this, and I can definitely tell you I haven't mastered it, is to gather the troops and discuss the issue. Get it out on the table. And people don't want to do that because yeah. they want to avoid confrontation. You know, if it's between two people, ask them to respectfully discuss the issue and come to a medium point of agreement or agree not to agree. But do not let it linger or it will fester like a sore. I believe that is one of the things that happened to our country during the pandemic. We let our frustration fester and we forgot how to civilly discuss differences. And this is bled into the workforce. If we all agreed on everything, how boring would that be? We have to have roughness to create a smooth final product. Maybe a leader doesn't want there to be smooth sailing. I would caution any employee to self-analyze their situation. And at that point, because a toxic workforce is unhealthy, both personally and professionally, get out. There's enough jobs in Midland. Go get another one. Don't don't put yourself through that. I like that. You know, you have to be true to who you are and make sure that you're someplace that you can be a productive contributing member because why be somewhere that you're absolutely miserable or when you maybe just can't get on board with, with the direction? And that's okay. Sometimes leadership styles are not for you or vice versa. Right. So with toxicity, sometimes that challenge can happen between the new leader and a staff leader. How do you manage that when it's, you know, when it's maybe directed at the leadership and how do you bring in that conversation as a group? That one, that one's a challenge because it it solely depends on the on the leader's style. Yeah. Because um, I've had leaders that I didn't really enjoy work, working with, and I would try different ways of engaging with them. And sometimes you're just not going to find a way. Other times you learn to just sit back and listen, and be quiet and not be reactive like many of us are and try to figure out what's the best way to get to a point of resolution or an opportunity where you can just agree within yourself that you're going to do what you need to do to move the organization forward because that's got to be the ultimate goal. I think that's wise advice is the organization does come first. So what are some steps that can be put into place to help build employee morale? Um, There's about six or seven things that I would say, and then I'll try to expound on a little bit of them. Number one is open discussions. Number two is open door policy, a true open door policy. Number three is maintaining confidentiality. Number four, voicing what the non-negotiables are. Developing innovative thinking to build skills in that and then applauding good work in a sincere manner. I believe you can take this list and you can use these to build employee morale. Everyone wants to feel good about themselves and their work. That's that's a given. And it doesn't matter if the person responsible for mopping the floors or the person signing the multi-million dollar deals. They all want to feel good about themselves and they want to be treated with the same respect. And that's critical. You've got to do that. Because if we don't compliment and acknowledge good work, then why should an individual work for an organization if they're not appreciated? 
I'm not real good at planning ahead for little treats. Like I, I've got some friends that are real good about taking a Coke or a coffee or little cookies to people. I'm not good at that. I'm a procrastinator, so I'm never on time. But I am good at, at listening to what people's needs are and maybe writing a note of encouragement or later down the line meeting those needs. These little things will enhance morale. You've got to be real as a leader. Let your staff see that you aren't perfect and how you handle setbacks. I think that's a really good point. We're all human. No one is perfect. In owning mistakes, I actually had this conversation in the hallway with somebody here at MSS today about just taking responsibility, personal responsibility. When you make a mistake, whether you can repair that or not, just owning it and right. and admitting it is the first step forward. Yeah. And nobody wants to do that. No, it's hard. It stinks. Absolutely. I'm struggling with teaching my teenagers this <laughs> very concept. You messed up. Own it, friend. So those are all really good points. I think um, everything that you've said really resonates and it, it's a real challenge I think as a leader to make sure that you're meeting all the needs, not just for the organization, but all the individuals. There's so many personalities and the way in which they want to be loved on and the way in which the organization can meet what their needs are in that space. It's really challenging to find that balance. Every day it's a challenge. In your career as an educator, change is constant, whether that is in staff or in the students that you served. How do you bring so many of those different personalities and talents together to create a cohesive team while you're still setting those new expectations? Well, one thing I did is I always thought of the world of rotating staff and students as employees and customers. I grew up in a retail world, and my parents always told me the customer's always right. And so that's kind of how I was brought up and, and how I faced m my world in education. And we always had to think about, number one, what is our end goal? How are we going to get there? What do we need to do to empower that action to move forward? How are we measuring our steps to get to that end goal? And then if we get off track, how do we adjust to get back on track? This is called constant monitoring or continual improvement, and it required really truthful conversations and trust to discuss the good and the bad. If we only discuss the good things that we're doing, we'll never evolve. It's also boring. The challenges we face only make us stronger as an organization. Again, uh, we've got to get to know each other. I had one leader that held all of our leadership meetings over lunch at a, at a local restaurant. When you're breaking bread with others and you're having informal discussions about life, you begin to learn about other people and see what some of their barriers are and see life through their eyes. And this came to times when we had difficult conversations. We could be a little more tolerant of each other in their different viewpoints and understand the rationale for their decisions. And we built trust during this time. Well, I think everything that you're saying comes down to building trust. It comes down to opening the door and having an engaging conversation and being willing to put yourself at the table as well as bring someone else with you so that you can get to know each other and find ways that you can work strongly together. Absolutely. And, and that trust isn't always easy because sometimes trust and truth means saying the hard things. And that can make some people completely turn against you. Well, it helps when you understand where somebody's coming from with their perspective and why they want to turn the ship in a certain direction. And mm -hmm. so I think, you know, something as simple as steering the ship in a new direction is 
it, it's not as simple, actually, as it sounds, especially when you're talking about such a big ship, whether that's a nonprofit organization or a school or school district, you're talking about changing the direction of an organization that someone may have been with for years. And suddenly now it's moving in a different way forward and just making sure you're bringing those people. Right. You've got to go back to what's the mission? What's the purpose of the organization? At the end of the day, the people that we serve are the ones that come first. And at the end of the day, that's who we're here for. Absolutely. People. Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts? I would say overall, just build trust. Develop your employees to where they have the strength to trust others and to move toward the organization's goals. Be real and uh, don't be afraid to have the hard conversations. I love it. Thank you very much for being here today. I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. I think this is going to resonate with a lot of new leaders and, and longtime leaders in our sector as well. So we really appreciate your perspective. Education and nonprofits are not so far apart. Oh, absolutely. In the same world. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for streaming State of the Nonprofits. Remember to subscribe and receive notice when new episodes drop. MSS is a proud partner of Pioneer Natural Resources. With Pioneer's partnership, we're working to create impact in nonprofit community with programs like State of the Nonprofits, IT services, and more. Thank you to the Recording Library of West Texas for collaborating with MSS to produce the State of the Nonprofits.